Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. We've got a special episode. I've got my boss, Angela Perkins. Hi, Brandon. Hey. We've got a really fun episode. We don't know how this is going to go because I just came up with this idea randomly, and I think we're both a little nervous for this, but... (laughs) We're just going to publicly argue. I don't know. We are going to argue. The last episode we did together was on disc and we kind of just threw everything out there about our our working styles and all that. This one, I think, kicks it up a notch. It's not really about us, but we are going to debate live on this podcast. We've got three topics and how I've structured this is we're going to pick a topic. We'll do it right here on the podcast and then I'll have you pick who's going to go first and then who is going to argue in favor of or against. So I want to preface all of this, and you can jump into Ange. This is without our opinions, really. We're, we are going to basically pick a side, and we're going to try the, our best to stick to that side. But knowing that we do have our own opinions that we may be arguing against, it might be hard to stay in character. So anything you'd want to add we'll to just, that we'll kind of wing it and we'll see but first of all i do need to know um were you on the debate team i need to no. know what my competition is right here so no. are you gonna like just blow me out of the water with i don't your think side? so okay. no i i can get opinionated and i uh i liked debating politics a while back but then i started like avoiding it all together sure, so sure. this will be a little different yeah we'll definitely stay away from yeah. that topic <laughs> Why don't I'll just say the topics that we're going to do so people can like see if it's a fit for the conversation if they want to listen or not. So we're going to do three topics today and we're going to pick randomly in in no particular order. So we have mandatory paid leave for maternity and paternity leave mandated by the government. Mm -hmm. That's topic number one. Topic number two be complete pay transparency or radical transparency, like basically publishing people's salaries on the wall you know what i make i know what you make that sort of thing and then the last one um which we may end up drawing first is in-house hr or outsourced hr and we're gonna have to argue one side or the other okay (laughs) are you ready i'm ready uh, hopefully the listeners are ready for this this could be awkward it could be fun (laughs) we'll see okay i'm gonna have you pick a topic let's go okay here we go we got three pieces of paper here i'm gonna pick this guy And here we go. What is it, Brandon? (laughs) Mandatory paid leave, government mandated. Okay, Okay. so that's the topic. Okay, I'll pick the next one. Okay. And then you pick the last one. Okay. So I'm going to go second. Okay, so that means I'm going first. And my stance on this is (laughs) 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 I'm against. So I am against mandatory paid leave. Okay, so you're against mandatory paid leave. I'm going to go first. You're going first. Let's go. All right. Should we have a clock? I don't, we don't need to have a clock. No, Just make your I, point. I'm not so sure about this first second thing either. So kind of jump in there because a yeah. good debate is sort of true. a back and forth. So we'll kind of, I'm going to just kick off with my <laughs> against thesis, <laughs> which I'm just randomly pulling together in you're, you're my brain right now. Are you sweating? I, I'm a little nervous. Let's see how I can do. So here's the thing. We have small to mid-sized business owners listening to the podcast, hopefully, and they're sitting in their cars and they're wondering how they're going to make payroll with all of the growing expenses of wages for their team. Benefits are going up double digits every year um, in terms of medical and dental and all of that. They've got business expenses in terms of their equipment and their building. and And then we get a layer on mandatory paid leave. So here's what I would say about that. It's really important for an employer to be able to provide 
pay, competitive pay, and get product out the door or service out the door, whatever their their um, business is. And if they're also paying folks that aren't sitting in that business, that that's just it's very expensive. So it's it's managing an expense that is invisible. You have the money going out the door. You don't have the staff resource sitting there because they're on paid leave. And this is not judging, I'm a mom. So this is not judging the fact that that mom time or dad time, super, super important. But who should fund it? The employee should save and prepare themselves for time away from work. That, it's a legitimate argument. I think what, what you're missing in this, <laughs> just wow. starting to get snarky. Uh, well, I think what the, the argument to this is that much like health insurance, are people going to be able to fund that on their own? And I think employers have the opportunity to be the vehicle in which they can offer and change people's lives. I think we have a crisis right now of, uh, I've read some stats recently. I swear I didn't prepare for this whatsoever. You are going to spit out stats right now? No, this is going to be just total (laughs) generalized. I think I, I read somewhere that literally there, people aren't having enough babies. So the demographics may change where you, you may not like, as we have an aging population, you're not going to have enough babies to like basically eclipse or even match the demographic. And you can see a problem with that when you have, you talk about uh, pensions and social security and things like that. These, these unfunded liabilities will become uh, an issue if you don't have kids. So if, employers don't step in and make change where they can, uh, with the government mandates paid leave where they, like somebody can be out for three months after having a baby. Mm-hmm. It could change their life because most people cannot afford to live and also save enough money to be out for three months. It's absolutely crazy. Sure. So employers should be responsible for it. Okay. So where do they find those funds to afford this salary effectively going out the door while they also need to hire potentially a temporary employee to come fill that gap for 90 days. Where do they find those funds? Yeah. You, so you bring up a a good argument. Um, you know, I did a lot of study on inflation and you can't just raise prices, although you kind of have to in this, in this case. So I think if, if employers adopt this faster and, you know, raise prices and um, make this a benefit before the government mandates it, then I think they could be ahead. Um, sure. It could be a, I think if you if you get ahead of this, then you become an employer choice. So there's a benefit on that side. But once the government mandates it, I think you, you, you really have to, I think you have to change your business ahead of time. You have to raise your prices. You have to shift salaries. And um, I think the other thing is not everybody's going to have kids. Too. Sure. So right. maybe I mean, obviously don't want to discriminate, but, um, but you, <laughs> you you would need to probably change some of your your practices from a if somebody's not having kids, what kind of benefits would they want if they're not going to sure. uh, use that mandatory I paid do leave? That, that that actually brings up another point to my argument in my against flyer here that I have that I'm against this topic. Um, so if I'm an employer, this actually happens a lot in, in regular benefit offerings. So if an employer is paying hundred percent only for medical coverage and I'm an employee and I opt out of that, then sometimes I come to my employer and say, Hey, What's up? I'm, I'm saving you $600 a month. Can mm. you increase my, so I could actually foresee this paid leave thing coming up, creeping up into the culture um, if not rolled out appropriately 
to cause potential rift between employees, right? So if you go on leave, Brandon, and you leave me and you're, I know you're hanging back with your baby and you are making just as much money as you were maybe, you know, depending upon the state, it's a percentage or whatever the case is. So you still have dollars coming in the door, but I'm here now stuck with your workload. I'm not going to have babies, let's say. And so then I'm going to go to my employer and say, hey, I've got double the work going on. Now I want maybe a higher pay rate or it's just, it's very complex. I do. I will tell you this. I agree with your point in employers getting ahead of this because we've seen this happen with sick leave and even the wage increases, the minimum Mm -hmm. wage increases, the employers that have jumped up in advance of this have fared better because their employees can recognize that they're actually doing it on their own Exactly. Um, I mean, yep. technically they're nudged along because they know it's coming. Yeah. But I would say that if we see it coming for the state that we're in, employers will be better off to jump in early sure. versus being a late adopter. And I think like the, the benefit in all this too is if, uh, you know, kind of like paid sick leave and things like that is the government usually mandates something that's lesser than what they already offer. I mean, a lot of employers are obviously not offering. That's the whole point. Right. But let's say you know, a bigger company obviously could do this because they have the funds. But if like a, the Googles of the world or the Facebooks, they they have the cash, they're like, okay, paid leave up to three months, yeah. right? Yeah. Fully paid, come back when you're ready after the three months. Government's probably not going to do that because most employers can't. They'll probably figure out a way to do like a paid leave mandatory up to a month. Sure. Or three weeks or something that's at least a buffer because parents have to be with their kids absolutely you can't go to week out or go to work back after a week especially with moms right can't do right. it right i'm having a really hard time not jumping over to the other side so me too because <laughs> i'm like i want to argue on it. there's there's points to, i think the whole point of this podcast i'm breaking character right now the whole point to this is that it's even though we're so polarized in the world that we're in you could easily argue both sides i think and that's a healthy way to go about it I too because so there are always positives and drawbacks yeah. to really anything in business, in life. So to see both sides is yeah. really important. I think it's important. So yeah. we'll call that a tie, maybe? Maybe I, a tie. You, you argue I don't know. way better. I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm leaning your way. So maybe a oh, tie and I was is leaning, the way I was leaning your way. You're just so <laughs> persuasive and manipulative. I don't hey, know. hey, hey. <laughs> okay. I'll pick the next topic. How about that? Okay. And then you pick the... Perfect. Is this the... Oh, wait. Okay. Let me grab the topic. Next, oh, and I need to put this The back. next one. Ooh, you'll like this one. Outsourced HR or in-house HR? <laughs> hmm. hmm. Okay. Interesting. So I will choose the, what's this? There's only one left of this. This no, is the first two, and second. Two. Oh, there we go. Oh, wait. No, that's not right. I don't know. So there's a first. Is there a what second there? One? That's a new topic. Okay. So leave the topic over there. Okay. Here's first and second. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to choose whether I go first or second. And I got Damn second. <laughs> All right. So you get to go first. Okay. okay. And then... And then you pick you pick this one. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, this is whether I'm for it or against it. <laughs> <laughs> You're against. This so. is terrible. Okay. All Wait, right. Oh, hold, on, hold on. Actually, I screwed up this up. So uh, in-house HR versus outsource HR. Yes. There's You're against how which? do you do that. Oh, which, yeah. What, yeah, which. I'll, I'll do you a favor. You're going to argue in favor of outsourced HR. Okay. Okay. How about that? I like I'll, that. And I'll take... I want to play devil because you're you're, gonna go, you're the sales gal on outsource HR. Sure, you're good at what you do. 
So this will give well, you a chance. Well, now you're putting like higher stakes on this whole thing. Well, like, what's interesting is because I'm an in-house marketer for oh, Zenium, which like is an outsourcing HR. Okay, so okay. as yep. an in-house person, I think you're I have gonna, good perspective. Perfect. Right? Okay, let's go. Yep, okay, like so it. here we go. In-house HR versus outsourced. I'm taking in-house stance. You got outsourced. Yep. Okay. The reason why you would absolutely want in-house HR is that you need somebody there all the time, somebody who's embedded in the culture, somebody who who knows you inside and out, who knows the people. It's like, there's Joe, he gets a cup of coffee at 9am every single day. And I have a conversation. I know Joe. And I'm, I'm, I, I know the tendencies of the organization. I'm in, I'm so aligned with the vision, the purpose of the company. How's an outsourced company going to do that? It's there's they're disconnected from from the culture, and I think you need somebody there all the time. And depending on the size of the organization, if you just keep hiring in-house people all day long, you have different people that have different areas of the function. So you have somebody doing employee relations. You have somebody doing. Wow, that sounds uh, quite expensive, Brandon. It does sound pretty expensive. Mm. <laughs> it is, but it's worth it because you get you get people that are there all the time. Okay, you can rely on. Yep, and. They're one of you. Okay. That's all I got. Okay. What do you, can you go? Well, I, I do have in. to tell you that one of your in-house people is just now out on paid maternity leave. So I'm not really sure <laughs> where you think this there all the time thing is going to. No, I'm just kidding. So here's the thing with there's some benefits to in-house. But I want to flip this back in a question to you. You're a leader here at Zenium. Yep. Who's responsible for culture? The people are. Okay. But you said that you need to have an HR person on site all the time to lead culture and to know everybody and to know that Joe has yeah. coffee at nine. I think somebody's got to own it. And, really? I, and I think HR can own it. I think it's leadership. And, and they have vision. to be in the building 40 hours a week in order to own culture. Yeah. Okay. I think they need okay. to be. I think they need, it's got to be somebody who owns it all the time okay. and can police it a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So let's, I'm going to just for two seconds define outsource so that everyone sort of knows what I'm even talking about, but this is really just managing HR as a third party. So as a service deliverable versus having a hired person with the title of HR manager or HR director. And for the most part, it's small to mid-sized businesses that are looking to these two models as a choice because as you get bigger, having a, a built-out department that you sort of were describing, you know, somebody's leading employee relations, somebody's leading benefits, um, you can afford that the larger you get. And there's a full-time job in those specialties. For most small to mid-sized businesses, under 100 employees, let's just say, uh, it's really difficult to have full-time resources in all of these different specialties. And that's what HR is. You can call it a generalist all you want. And it really does have to operate as a generalist function when only one person is doing it. So the case for outsourced is you get so much more bang for your buck when you are able to get to a service delivery in compensation, in VP level to admin and everything in between in a service delivery instead of in a person. So I really 
feel strongly <laughs> about, <laughs> about um, the culture piece because I'm a leader here as any, I lead a team, um, I'm part of the executive team. I feel responsible for culture. And if you told me that I needed to go talk to Stephanie, who was our support kind yep. of supports the yep. HR infrastructure here at Zenium. If I have to go down to her desk and say, Hey Steph, there's something going on culturally and you need to go deal with it. I have a real problem with that. So for me, when I talk to customers about, well, but culture, and I really just need someone sitting here so employees can come talk to them. That's leadership development opportunity. Mm. So that is building up your leaders so, so that they yeah. can handle their teams and that's manage their teams. That's an interesting point. In particularly, I'm specifically talking about SMB, so small yeah. to mid-size. So on, on that point, I think leaders are busy with their their own people, and there's so many there's so many processes and practices that yeah. HR needs to to roll out and own and develop. And you're gonna you're gonna put that on leaders to and middle managers to do that because I I think they've already got big jobs, and you need somebody in house to completely own it. Yep, to so, roll it out. I agree with you. Leaders can't do that. That's the part that's the infrastructure. And where better to go than a company that does it for 400 companies, right? So versus one person who their own their own bias is going to say, I saw performance management handled this way at my last company. And so I'm going to just take those forms that I put on a flash drive before I left my last employer and I'm going to go plug them in and I'm going to roll them out here. Or I'm going to go to a bully conference and or a HR you know, compliance conference and I'm going to grab something from there and I'm going to roll it out versus it being more of a diverse HR outsourcing companies. That's all they do. It's no different than going to an accountant for the accounting expertise when you as an individual, do you use a CPA to do your taxes? Mm -hmm. No different. So why you could go, I mean, the free, free, free ads. Oh my goodness. That are driving oh, me nuts. Driving with. me crazy. <laughs> well, it should be over now. It's after tax. I think they, yeah, went all the way until the 415. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, you could go do that, but why wouldn't you hire the expertise so that you have the layers of expertise when you need it, mm -hmm. you're not paying 40 hours a week for it because you don't need VP level all the time. You don't need generalist level or admin level. But the process, the procedure, the best practice around how to roll out in our next topic is going to be this pay yeah. um, transparency piece. What a great thing to have a service sort of that you could rely on yeah I, I get what you're saying i think it's really going to depend on the size of these organizations Agreed. because i could see where outsource is probably good on the um i don't know kind of like the dumbbell approach where it's like the really really small where mm -hmm. they're uh you would have no need for an in-house hr person so maybe it is like middle management leaders dealing with it or you just hire some outs outside help yeah. because you you really have no need for a full-time person. Yeah. I get that. Where, and then at the upper end, it's like you have probably so many people that you do need in-house people Agreed. all the time. But here's where I'll compromise with you on this topic. Okay. As okay. I think augmentation at that level where you get to a certain point, you still need in-house people I agree. owning it. Mm -hmm sure outsourced resources could wrap around that because like I do that in marketing like I I'm in-house mm -hmm. and then I hire freelancers agencies to wrap around me yep. but I own it yeah right yeah okay so then at the at the middle level this is where I'm 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 disagreeing with you I'm staying in character too I really hope you're not but yes <laughs> <laughs> staying in character okay so at the mid-level they're, you know, 50 employees to a hundred. Yep. Yep. This is where I'm like, 
you're in growth mode. You need somebody there all the time okay. building out processes yep. and knowing the people and building the culture. What yeah. do you say to that? So, I mean, I here's the thing. Is I don't think as much as we even at Zenium try to come up with this magic number of employees where it, this is the golden ticket, it it all depends. It depends on are you growing? Is it this fast growth mode and you're 50 employees now, but you're going to be 150 in six months because you just got a huge contract. Like all of these things matter. Um, it also matters what is HR because it's different company to company yeah. to company. Like w- define that for me. Is this compliance no, and, yeah, and chasing compliance you around and- or is this right? Or is this true culture support? And you're, you're working on leadership development as yeah. the HR leader. You're helping support those supervisors at every turn. So I don't know that there's like clearly a, a yes, if you're 76 employees and more, then yeah. you need this in this in house. You really have to. I, I think it's crazy not to augment, no matter what size yeah. you are, because you cannot possibly have a Susie Weir on your team who is a guru in leadership coaching and and training and development of leaders. Right? She's on Zenium's team, and if she could be a piece of every client's mm-hmm. um, leadership mm-hmm. group they are better for it. Mm -hmm. And so why not leverage similar to what you were just saying, Mm -hmm. where you are augmented by these freelancers, you know what to push on each of those individuals. I think your question specifically is what if there wasn't a you right here at Zenium as an example, and how would that work? And I mean, on live podcast, I'm not going to say how it would work because I don't want it to ever <laughs> Oh, no, she's already thought about that. She's like, how do <laughs> no, I replace no, no, no. this guy? But I mean, I think with anything, any any small business is saying, how can I leverage and get the most out of the people that yeah. I have here? And then what what is either um, easy to sort of push to a third party or I get more expertise in that third party and I want to leverage my people for the things that they're best at, then you're augmenting. And for me, it's, it's a different conversation. Every client we talk to in terms of what makes sense, we do lots of augmentation. We do lots of full outsourced. We have a lot of friends in the HR community that are single shingle HR managers, and we only come in once a year and do harassment training. Right. I Mm -hmm. mean, so I think it's just each employer has to sort of decide what makes the most sense. How developed your leadership group is makes a difference. You know, office managers are often handed the keys to the HR title and those folks need support. So it doesn't even have to be an HR manager that's leading all of this. There needs to be a point person who is that point person that's going to know best to leverage that HR um, resource. So I would never have made it as a debater. I'll tell you that. You're, you, the <laughs> well, thing is, I want to break character uh, a little bit because I, you know, I, I know from my perspective is like being an in-house person, you have to be good at a lot of things yeah. and you have to admit when you're not good at something and then leverage the outside. So like, I would say like staying in character here, I think got to meet the debater sure. halfway here and uh, you have to augment. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Because one person can't do it all. Well, and it's not even, I mean, I, again, we talk to so many HR professionals in the community and we support them. I mean, they come here for training and development and, and they lean on us for resources, even uh, themselves. Right. We have a lot of folks that work on our team on the HR side that have been previously (laughs) in-house. Right. And now they have all of these resources and the depth of the team around them. And they're, they're thinking, not sure how I did this on my own before. Imagine having to make every single decision 
on your own. No, it's that, not fun. That is both compliance, best practice, oh, too many, culture, too many laws involved. right? And it's yeah. just, it's very, it's daunting to yeah. not have a thinking partner. Damn so it. I think you won this round again. <laughs> this isn't fair. No, no, no. I, I'm curious. Like it, it's, and there's obviously a lot of passion in this one. Funny that we talked longer about this topic than, well, like, than this, paid this, leave. You talk about this all day, uh, every day. But I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is good. Anyway. That was good. That okay. was good stuff. Okay. So we have our last topic. Last topic. And this is pay transparency, radical transparency. Radical pay transparency. I think I have the other things over here. Okay. I see. Because you have a different set yeah. for every. Okay. So try to separate them. Yep. I don't even know. Why do I have three? Okay. Well, just start pulling stuff. And so I'm going to pull. Gosh, I'm against again. I think I grabbed every can, single uh, can against. Can I just have you before? Okay. I'll be four. I'll be four pay transparency. Okay. Okay. And you I'm get to go second. second. So I get okay. to go first. Yep. So. Okay. Radical to pay. Let's, let's define that. What yes. does this mean? This means basically publishing pay by person. This, so we're like putting it up. Yeah. On the everybody knows what everybody hallway makes. Hallway wall and we're we're posting it. Okay. It's been in the news a lot. I think I don't know if people are actually doing it or if some thought leaders are saying this is a good idea. So we're gonna find out. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Let's argue both sides. So here's what I think we should do is I think Brandon, we should go to the database right now, print out everyone's salary, and I wanna go post it <laughs> in the lunchroom. Do, do you have <laughs> access to that? <laughs> Let's see what um, happens behaviorally. Here's the here's the positives of this. No more making stuff up. Here's what we know. If an employee doesn't know the answer to it, they make it up. So if they think their peer is making $20,000 more a year than them and they're underperforming and they're mad about it and they're angry and now they're going to go look for work and all of this, pay transparency takes all of that out because now it's published. Now, of course, the flip side of that, it's published. So if they do make $20,000 more, right? But yeah. the transparency takes the question mark out of the heads of all of the employees that wonder how much their peer makes, how much their boss makes. It really just, it removes um, filling in the blank. I'm trying to find another reason why I pay full trade. I mean, this is this is a big topic. A big We've heard a lot of folks. The closest I've seen, of, you know, clients of ours do is more publishing grades by position title, which is a sort of a safe way of getting a little bit more transparent and, and communicating to employees how they can grow their salary based on title. So I'm, the other positive for transparency is really more on the career pathing side. So if an employee recognizes that maybe jumping departments would benefit them because they see the pay and the levels of a, of a partnering. So I t let's use our world. Let's say a payroll specialist is really trying to grow in their overall net and they want to be able to make more and they see that benefits has more levels and they could actually move up a pay scale faster if they career path to over to benefits. It could provide some motivation to moving around um, within the organization and really benefit the cross training. Cause sometimes, you know, employees are like, what's, what's in it for me to learn this other trade or this other department um, and jump sort of across a, a team that I haven't been on before. So that would be another positive. I think at the end of the day for pay transparency, why not share it? Because guess what employees are wondering? What are you hiding? What are you hiding mm. from me? 
you think that publishing salaries would be motivating and knowing what like my boss makes or knowing what other people would make would be motivating. Think about maybe for a few people who are super driven, but what about all the people that would just mentally shut down knowing I do all the work, you do nothing yet. You make double what I make. Like how, how fair is that? I think when you start publishing salaries and you make it transparent, I think you make it unfair. I think, there's going to be, I think it'd ruin the culture. I think there would be animosity there. People would start pointing fingers. Oh, you, you fail all the time. You're not good at your job, but you, you make more than me. That's not fair. You start gossiping. You know, what's interesting though, is don't you think that's already happening without the data? So people are walking around the parking lot saying, can you believe so-and-so just bought a Tesla or whatever, you know, whatever the case is. And again, they're filling the blanks. So they, but they have are, a loan for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but I, I just, again, not to interrupt your debate yeah. speech. That's fine. Go for it. <laughs> I, it gives me more ammo to debate against. <laughs> is it, you think that ignorance is bliss in this area then, but it's not ignorance. It's people are making it up. So you might think that not, not posting it means it's not there. It's impacting the culture regardless. I think knowing specifics about what people, individual people can make will be absolutely harm, harmful. I think broad terms, like if, if we're talking about pay transparency on a spectrum, I think where we, we need to be is pay transparency over why people get paid what they get paid, right? So not like what Angela Perkins makes, not what Brandon Laws makes, not what so-and-so makes on a bulletin board. What I think we need is I, I think we need pay bans published, whether it's like you have multiplier effects with location or years of experience or anything like that, that would, I mean, I guess that's a form of pay transparency, but I'm saying like, that's the end of the spectrum I want to be on is, Mm -hmm. you know what it takes as an employee to get there. And anything outside of that, if, if some, if you're making more than what's on that range, then there's some sort of discrimination going on. Mm, so that's where we start getting into the pay equity sure, issues. Absolutely. Is I think once you go outside of the, that spectrum, then they're, so you're either a good negotiator or somebody else is getting screwed. I, so I think pay transparency could help that a little bit, but I think, I think people need to know why they're, where they're at that way there's no ambiguity around it so but here is another challenge that we find within organizations is we know that there is different value placed on different roles based on how important it is to the business close to the revenue so let's use sales as an example and this is age old i'm not gonna say that this is about zenium as much as it's just the sort of quintessential normal banter oh sales is easy and they're out whining and dining and their job is easy whatever and then you know they come in and they dump the clients on us and then they run off or they get the order and then the engineers are building the right and so there's this there's always this service sales rub so i'm actually out of character now because this is not a benefit for pay transparency (laughs) but i think that that's a challenge because the business might value a position at something because of what it does for the business and not every employee has visibility to what that means. So in other words, engineers, great example. If you don't have the engineer in order to build the product that you just prototyped, 
then, and this has been an ongoing thing in the market, particularly here in Portland, of just a shortage of some of these talent areas. So you you end up having to pay them higher than market, so higher than your special little grades oh, over there, because you have to get that talent in the door. And so I'm not sure you could ever fit it into your little perfect grades and because you have a market you're dealing with outside the door. So how do you explain that? You bring in somebody for way higher than the market because they're talented and you had to bring in this hired gun from Oklahoma or what? I don't know. (laughs) Wow. I have no idea. (laughs) Right? So you just hire somebody outside. You had to lure them in. You pay them way more. Then there's pay compression happening. Absolutely. You piss off everybody else that you have working for you and then they leave. So your risk is... With publishing it, what am I arguing? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. right. You're right. Oh God! I, oh, God! <laughs> I, I want to argue both sides. This is so fun. Your 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 risk is that you have people really mad around hiring talent, and and it's visible. Can I officially throw in the red towel? You. Yeah. A hundred percent nailed it right there. I mean, this is, this is a hot topic. We're hearing a lot of folks talk about it and I would be hard pressed to be sitting across from the person that says posting actual salaries is good for the business. I've never heard. Again, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be in character. I'm completely out of character right now, but because the the business is so complex and you have to have levers to move what you need to do in order to produce product or service your clients, that sort of thing that um, it's it's difficult. Pay yep. compression is 100% alive yep. and well. It, I think what the, like the bigger issue at play in, in this and that we, I don't hear a lot of people talking about, but I've just thought of it, uh, is that not everybody is super business savvy about like why people get paid, what they get paid, uh, whether you're close to the revenue and you have, you have your tribute to the growth of the business or whether it's really administrative or or whether you know it's a low value position for the company or like there's so many factors involved in why people get paid what they do and i think if you published that there'd be so much more resentment because people don't understand the only caveat to that is if you really started explaining but i i don't think that'd be enough to mitigate it unless unless there were some motivating factors to keep developing people people yes i think if you paired communication around why people get paid like even if you had to lure somebody in from out of state or whatever bring them in from san francisco to code something that you need like you you have talent down there Mm -hmm. we're in portland maybe we needed somebody's with the pam top-notch dollar to come over here and move whereas like you okay well we had a developer here now they just compress their wages but if we said well, this is why we need somebody who's at the top of their game. But guess what? There's a development plan for you. Right. Like if you if you stick with us, you're going to be under this person's mentorship. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn from them and you can earn these pay grades over time and you can get where they're at. Right. No, I, I don't know. Like, I hear you. That would be my whole thing. Here's my other thing on this topic is who says it's the employer's data to put on the wall? So think about it from the employee mm. perspective. Yeah. What you're doing, if you go full radical transparency and you post wages, you're saying to each of those employees that their pay is now everyone's business. That's an employer's decision? That's brutal. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, well, it w- I would think it would be a leader position our leadership, like a you know, president and CEO to say like, this is what we're doing. This is part of our culture now. It's transparency. 
you know, there's the whole t- topic of like radical candor, right? Yep. It's like, yep. you f- mess up, you do something I don't like, or there's a difficult conversation. I'm just going to come out yep. saying it. Yep. I don't like your jacket. That That's just demeaning. No, I like your jacket. It's brand new. I was brand just trying new. to make a point. <laughs> it's brand new. <laughs> Tarjay special. The receipt. No. Apparently, I need to take it back. No, so I mean, like, th- I think there's something to be said about like transparency. I think transparency is ultimately good. Okay. But I think when you're talking about comp, yeah, I think it's going to do more harm than good. And so you, you take a utilitarian perspective on this, I think, greater good. And yeah. the greater good says this would actually destroy the culture. Well, and I think where we land is, A, you won that debate. Oh, so congratulations. I won one out yes. of three. So, and the the second one, I think if, you know, if listeners are saying, okay, so, but then what? Yeah. You kind of touched on it. I and I do think there's something to be said about making sure that we're communicating to employees about their opportunities. We don't have to post everyone's salaries to talk about career pathing and cross training and opportunities for people to grow and earn more money. And managers should be having those conversations with their employees and companies should be establishing career pathing plans and career development opportunities for employees because people want to grow Mm -hmm. and not everyone wants a new title or to make a bunch more money. There's some folks that are cool just staying in the role that they're in, but there's others that want to see that path in front of them. And I think that's hugely important and way more important than posting a bunch of salaries on the wall. Absolutely agree. 100%. This is such an experiment and it was fun. We broke character so many times. And I may hopefully it's not confusing for listeners, but I think it was so fun to to be able to play both sides, even though like I wanted to jump across the table and then not not like physically you know, physically That's hurt good. you. Hurt me. Okay. No, I meant like I wanted to argue on the other side. And, sure. and I'm sure you wanted to do the same just yep. because I think there's so many points that you can argue back and forth. I really liked the the concept of in our businesses, we always have those opportunities where we're kind of toe to toe with an issue and to really listen that that was something we had to do because we really were listeners. I promise you, unscripted, no prep, no prep. Brandon had three bullet points in an email. <laughs> That's all I got. So we, you really have to listen, yeah. and because generally speaking, you can find a yes, I hear you, and that actually makes sense in each you, of those. In topics. a lot of cases, I think our clients are asking this. So like you made the point at some point in the outsourced HR argument, four hundred clients, all over the place, different industries. And I think when you are starting to talk to these owners, they're all concerned about something a little different. Some of them overlap, of course, mm-hmm. employee relations issues. It could be paid leave issues. Uh, some of these, they're so cash strapped that, you know, one mandated thing could tip them over. And so they're concerned about it. So people are asking about those sort of things. And other people like on the culture end of the spectrum, like our paid transparency thing, they're asking about how do I become a, like a great employer, right? And I think you made a great point just there is we have to meet people where they're at. And I think that's what we were trying to draw out in this podcast is that there's there's never one answer, one size fits all to every, like one topic. And that's what's really frustrating today. And I'm sorry, I'm on my like soapbox right now. <laughs> it's really frustrating. Like I'm on Twitter a lot, like looking at current trends, I, a lot of sports, but you'd be so amazed at how polarized people can be. Like this is the definitive answer. And I call bullshit on that. I'm sorry to cuss. I call BS on that because there's always an answer on both sides or in the middle. You know what I heard recently that's that totally kind of helps support that? Yeah. Be the unexpert. 
Mm. practice your your job and your role as a leader in the company or the business owner or just a contributing employer employee and be the unexpert because there's so many experts out there saying everything that they know um if you can just listen you can learn so much from the employees that you're supporting so if you're wondering should we go pay transparency do we need to lead the market with paid leave ask your people like ask your employees and and be the unexpert yeah well, thanks for coming on the podcast. This is a lot of fun. Uh, you're on LinkedIn. People can follow you there, right? They could, yeah. Should I put out your email address so people can email you? Um, how about not that? Okay, we'll not do that. You can reach out to Angela on LinkedIn. She likes messages there. If you're not a subscriber to this podcast, you got to go to, to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or like your favorite podcast app. You go there, you give a f- five-star review. A written review would be awesome. Follow us. Share it with your friends. It's a great podcast. Transform your workplace. We'll talk to you next week. 